You found the First Baptist Rockdale Midweek Podcast. Lean in and learn as we study God's Word together. Enjoy. We're in week four of five uh, in our little study on what makes you uniquely you. Okay, what is that special about your own self? You know, you're the only you that this world has, and you're the only person who can do what God has called you to do. Um, I can't do the ministry that you're called to do. And so a lot of people think that's the pastor's job. They hire the pastor, and the pastor's the professional Christian, right? Uh, When I sit in my office and I read the Bible, that's called work, right? Whenever y'all sit in your office and read the Bible, your boss is like, couldn't you be doing something slightly more productive for the company's bottom line? I understand that I'm a professional Christian, that my vocation uh, is to serve the Lord, but I can't do the ministry that God has called you to do. You are specially made and equipped to do that ministry. And so we've been talking about different facets of who you are that make you uniquely you. So week one, we talked about spiritual gifts, that, that the Holy Spirit gifts individuals um, with special gifts that are empowered by God. And no two people have the exact same um, assortment of gifts or diversity of gifts. And the Holy Spirit lays them on in different degrees of uh, giftedness. But all of us have spiritual gifts. If you don't know what your spiritual gifts are, um, I challenge you to begin to, to look at the list that we have in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12 and to think, or, or do I see myself in any of these? Do I see some natural giftedness, some supernatural giftedness in there? I have a spiritual gift to inventory. It's not foolproof. I, I heard someone, they were like 20 questions into it. It's like 80 or 90 questions. It's forever long. Um, but, but if you want to take that, you can take it. It's not magic. Uh, It won't necessarily tell you this is exactly what you are, but it may give you some ideas of things that you never thought about, that you never considered, that you may have. I remember I took a spiritual gift into where I always talk about my negative spiritual gifts because, like, I I always score so low on compassion. Uh, Like, you know, you have to give yourself a one sometimes, and if you add all the ones up, it adds up to, like, five or six, and I get, like, an eight. Okay, so, like, I'm really... On paper, a not very compassionate person, okay? But y'all know me, some of y'all, I'm very compassionate, right? Well, maybe not. But I try really hard pastorally to be compassionate. But on the other side, one of the things that really astounded me, I remember it was the first time I took spiritual gift inventory. I was like 16 years old, and I was going through it. I'd been a Christian for a year, right? And some youth pastor threw it at me, and I was like, all right, I'll take this thing. And so I go through, and I take it. And when I'm done, at the end of it, uh, and I totaled it up, one of my top three spiritual gifts, and it was like tied with the other two or right up there with them, was the gift of prophecy, which is weird to me because I'm not charismatic, right? I don't believe that I have a, a fresh word from the Lord, some new revelation that God's going to pour out on me and that I'm going to give to you. I, I challenge you not to read books like Jesus Calling because Sarah Young says that God has given her divine revelation and she shares it with you, right? I have, I have skepticism of anyone who says, well, God told me to do this specific thing. Like, I'm like, I don't know exactly how that works. I believe that there's leading of the Spirit. But, so like, I'm always skeptical of that. But when I looked at the prophecy, right, it's someone who, who, is, who is boldly willing to say, thus saith the Lord. And I love doing that. I really do. I like holding up God's Word and saying, you know what God's Word says about you? This. This is exactly what it says. And I don't have to be, like, super, like, cute about it. I can just say, hey, well, God's Word said this. I had a friend of mine call me today. Uh, and she was going through a little crisis in her family, and she said, um, I think I gave some bad advice, and, uh, and she did. <laughs> she gave some bad advice to someone. It was unscriptural advice, and she knew it, 
Uh, her husband had already told her that, honey, that probably wasn't the right way to go about this. She was calling me, I guess, for confirmation that she was indeed not where she should have been. And, and so she, she tells me, and I'm like, yeah, that's probably not right. right. As a believer, this is what we're supposed to do. And I just kind of lay out what God's Word says. And she knows it, but she needed to hear it. Like, God's Word says this. So, like, when I took the spiritual gift inventory, all of a sudden I realized, like, I have the gift of prophecy, right? And so, like, instead of putting Rev on the piece of marble out there, I should have put Prophet Matt Higginbotham. That would have been pretty strong out there. Man. Yeah, you know how much grief I get about being Reverend Higginbotham? I have friends who've known me for years, and uh, they see it. It's on the sign out there. The reason it says Reverend Higginbotham, by the way, is because they couldn't fit Matt Higginbotham, comma, pastor, on the thing, right? But my name is too long, they couldn't fit it on there, and so they compromised to put that in, and they felt like that communicated what needed to be communicated. So my friend comes to me, and uh, someone says something about me, and then she's like, not the reverend, not the reverend, he wouldn't do that, not the reverend, right? Uh, but, but if you don't know your spiritual gifts, I have a test you can take, it's in my office, it, it's not magic, but it may illuminate some things that you say, oh, hey, there's something that I didn't know about myself. The second week we talked about your passions. God gives each of us passions, things we care about that other people don't necessarily care about, things that drive us to, to go and do that don't drive other people, right? You may be really passionate about, I don't know, I'll, I'll say animals, right? Because I'm not really passionate about animals. I have a lot of animals because I have a lot of kids, right? And somehow those two things run together. But you may be really passionate about it. God uses your passions, right? He intends to use your passions for his glory in the service of his kingdom, right? You don't have passions for no purpose. You have a purpose behind every passion. And so our job is to figure out what we're passionate about and then be like, how do, can we use that? How can we uh, take that and leverage that to be used for God's kingdom? The next thing is our abilities. Last week we talked about each of us have special abilities. These are kind of physical skills, not necessarily spiritual gifts. Some of you are great with wood. Some of you are great with, um, I don't know, like, like, well, really, literally anything. Like I talked about knitting last week. Like I'm not a knitter uh, or baking. I'm not a baker. Where's my, is it you? You weren't, the, oh, there's the baker back there. Yeah, oh, man. Yeah, like, you, you may be great at some, you may just have a natural ability. That's wonderful, it's great. But you know, if it's a natural ability, something that you just naturally kind of fell into, you didn't know it, like the first time you laced up your sneakers, you were more athletic than other people, that's a gifting of God. Use that to glorify God, right? And one of the ways we do that is we, we, we work on those things, we strengthen those things. A lot of us spend a lot of time making ourselves not terrible at other things that really we shouldn't waste our time on. Right? Like, you're, you're bad at some things. That's okay. Be bad at those things, but be great at the things that God has blessed you to be above average at. Right? Pour into those things. Develop yourself in those areas. Right? If you're a good public speaker, if that's just natural for you, develop that skill. Work on that skill. Go join, join Toastmasters or whatever. Get into it. Practice speaking because the more you speak, the better you'll get. And God will be able to be glorified on a greater level because you've honed your abilities. If you're terrible at public speaking, if getting up in front of people and talking, you just thinking about it right now, you're like, nope, I'm out. I don't want to do it. Don't work on it. Don't, I'm going to get over this fear. I'm going to work really hard. I'm going to do this. And I'm going to do... No. No, there is not an assignment in your life that's going to require you to do that. Maybe you, when you were in ninth grade and your teacher said you've got to give a presentation on the Aztecs, that you had to do that. You're not in ninth grade anymore, okay? Stop trying to get better at something you're terrible at. Just don't do it. 
Focus on the things that God has blessed you with and get better at things. Be great at things and be terrible at the things you're not good at. That's okay. Don't always focus on your deficits. Man, if I could just be a little bit better, then I'd be this like a renaissance man, this well-rounded man. I could do everything. God doesn't need you to do everything. Someone else will do the thing that you can't do. He needs you to do the thing that you can do. So we talked about your abilities, those things, those skills that you have. Today we're going to talk about something else that makes you uniquely you, and that's your personality. I'm not a huge personality test guy. Uh, I had friends one time, and they met me, and they knew me for like a month, and then like I'm talking, and they're like, oh, you're a ENTJ or something like that. And I'm like, I don't know. Right? They were really into Myers-Briggs. That was the personality test. Myers-Briggs has you know, 16 different personality types, classify us all into these things, and they try to figure out kind of what makes you you. But there is some truth to the fact that everybody's different. Right? We think about extroversion. Like Some people are really extroverted, and some people are really introverted. Most of us are on the continuum between there. I look extroverted. I act extroverted. I guess on any personality test, I am extroverted. But do you know what I need after a day of dealing with all of my extroversion? I need to get away. There are times when I'm with my wife's family. I don't know why it's always with my wife's family. There's times when I'm with my wife's family and it is insane. My family is loud, but her family is like loud with megaphones. It's insane. And so I'm in the house and it's just noisy and I'm like, and I just walk outside. I'm like, I'm leaving. Like, I'm not going anywhere. I'm just going to stand outside. I'm going to stand like this and look around until my mind comes back to me because I'm, I'm done, right? So like I'm on the continuum. I'm not the most extroverted person you're going to meet, but I'm not the most introverted person you're going to meet too. I'm somewhere on the spectrum. We all have this special personality makeup. If you do a lot of research into personality, there's like five major personality uh, things. Jeez, uh, the word fell out of my head, but, but personality kind of like quadrants. I guess it would be Quintrench? I don't know what five quadrants would be. Pentatrench? No one's helping me here. Thanks a lot, guys. Right, whatever. You can imagine quadrants five, okay? Use your imagination. So you got these five spheres of, of, of things that you're naturally drawn towards, and you know, extroversion is one, and neuroticism is one. Some of you are pretty neurotic. You don't mean to be neurotic. You just are. That's okay. It's who you are, right? You're, you're crazy. No, I don't mean crazy. I mean, you're just... You're naturally, you get worked up about things, right? Some of us are open. We, we love, like, we're just, we're open books. And some of us are much more reserved. Like, you're going to have to work really hard to get to know me, right? That's okay. That's who you are. But your personality is God-given, right? You didn't choose to be an extrovert. You can make yourself be extroverted sometimes, but you didn't choose to be that. You didn't choose to be an introvert. You didn't choose um, to be open or to be a little bit reserved. You didn't choose those things. It's just how you're made. It's how you're made. And so I want to read a little bit from God's word about, about how God uses your personality for his glory. And we're talking about what, 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 that, what that does for us. We're in the book of Acts today. If you have the, your Bible, open up to Acts. Um, I'm upside down, so that will help me to turn it right side up. Acts chapter 9. What's going on in the book of Acts, by the way, as you get there? Um, it's the fifth book in the New Testament, but as you get there, um, the church is beginning. It's beginning to take root. It's beginning to grow. Um, we've just uh, appointed our first group of deacons with Stephen and six other guys. Um, the church is, is growing and thriving. New people are being brought into the church every day, but there's a resistance to the church, right? There's a resistance to people who follow Jesus Christ because there was a large group, powerful group of Jewish elite people 
who really didn't like Jesus, right? They were instrumental in his execution. They didn't love the fact that he was raised from the dead and that there's still this movement of people who are claiming that he's the Messiah. That's very troubling to them. And so a young Jewish man by the name of Saul slash Paul, I don't care what you call him. By the way, Saul did not have a massive name change. Abraham had a name change. Abraham was, was Abram, and then God said, and now you will be Abraham, right? Peter had a name change, right? He was, he, he was Simon, right? And he's like, and you will be Peter, right? Because on this rock, I will build my church, right? Peter had a name change. Sarah had a name change from Sarai to Sarah. Paul did not have a name change. He was Saul when he was working with Jewish people. He was Paul when he was working with, with uh, Roman people. It's just the name he used when he was around different people, right? Like I'm Matt here, but if I was a missionary in Mexico for any length of time, I could become Mateo very easily, right? Because that's what they call me. I'm okay with that. So I just, sometimes we have this like major video, like, and then he became a Christian, so he became Paul. No, he started working with Gentiles, so he became Paul. So Saul's out there, and if you remember the story of Saul, we're going to pick up at the very beginning. He's just watched um, the stoning uh, of Stephen, uh, one of the, one of the, one of the uh, deacons. And then we have this thing in, in chapter 9. It says, But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest, and he asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, that's Christianity, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. So so Saul, uh, in his makeup, something that made Saul Saul, was he was a little bit fiery. Right? He was a little bit of a go-getter. He was a zealous man. It's part of what made him him. He was driven to go and to do. He wasn't passive. He wasn't waiting for people to, to, to come against him. He went to his leaders and he said, hey, I want to go arrest all those Christians. So if I can go on a little spy mission to Damascus, I'll round them up. We'll bring them back. Okay, let me do that. Right? Paul was a go-getter. He was going to get him some Christians. He was going to bring them back. I don't know what the punishment was going to be to these Jewish uh, believers in Jesus Christ. We're not told that. But there was going to be some sort of consequences. There were going to be um, tried, they were going to be interrogated, they were going to be um, threatened, they were going to be asked to, to, to um, deconvert out of uh, this, this following of Jesus into uh, back into following of the Old Testament. We don't know how it would have worked, but Paul, breathing threats of murder, like just in every breath he breathed, he's like, I want to kill somebody. I'm ready to kill somebody. I'm going to go get me some Christians. Breathing those threats, he says, I'm going to go and get them. And so they let him go. And we know the story probably. Saul gets the letter, or the, the, the permission to go, and he's on his way to Damascus, right? And then all of a sudden there's a bright light that shines in the sky, and he's blinded by this bright light. And, and there's a voice that begins to speak to Paul, right? And he's like, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul's like, who are you, Lord? The first time he confesses this, to this thing that it's Lord, right? Because it's bright light, obviously a divine appearance. He's like, Lord, what, who are you? Because like, I'm not persecuting the Lord. Who are you, Lord? And then the, the light says, hey, I'm Jesus, who you persecuted, <laughs> right? I, I'm, 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 I'm the guy you're going right now to persecute more of my followers. I'm Jesus. And in that moment, Paul was converted. His life was radically changed. He was not the same person from that moment for the rest of his life. 
He was dramatically different. What he cared about, what he focused on, the things that mattered to him, he gave everything that his previous life was about away, and he focused on what his new life had become. He had a radical change. Right? He goes, and this guy named Ananias, and Ananias has to come to Paul, and he, and he, and he kind of prays for Paul, puts his hands on Paul, and the, he's, Paul was blinded for a period of time, and the scales fall off Paul's eyes, and Paul's going around and, and beginning to proclaim Jesus Christ. And then we pick up uh, in, at the end of verse uh, 19. It says, For some days he was with the disciples at Damascus, the people he had gone to arrest. He was hanging out with them now. And immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogues, that's the Jewish churches, saying, He is the Son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, Is this not the man? who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon that name. And has he not come here for this purpose to bring them bound before the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. Saul's life was radically changed in an instance. He was no longer the same person that he was. But do you know what did not change in his massive conversion? And and Paul's conversion is one of the most dramatic conversions you'll ever see. I have watched some people come to faith in Jesus Christ and radically reorient their lives. Uh, There was a young man in my first youth ministry. His name was Zach. And Zach was about the darkest kid that you would know. I'm not sure exactly how he ended up in my youth group. A friend of his brought him, I'm sure. Um, but he, he encountered Jesus Christ. And he radically changed his life. Uh, at that time, stealing music on the internet was a big deal. It's still kind of a big deal, but uh, music artists have gotten better at finding ways to, you know, Spotify and Pandora and get paid without us having to download it. And so he had a massive library of I don't know how many... It was gigabytes at the time because terabytes weren't really a thing for regular people to have at their houses. But his computer was full of stolen music and stolen software that he had. So Photoshop and, you know, all the stuff that he could steal off the Internet. It was full of this stuff. And I was te- he was a believer at this point, And I was teaching and I just threw out like a side comment. I was like, hey, yeah, if you're on Napster, which is what, how we stole music back in the day, it's like, hey, if you're on Napster, that's stealing, it's wrong, you should stop. And then I just continued talking about whatever I was talking about. He came to me afterwards, and he's like, Matt, and I'm like, yeah, Zach, he's like, I, I have tons of stuff. And he, I didn't know you could steal software off the internet at that time. He's like, I've got, and he started listing off, he's like, I've got all of this, what should I do? And I said, well, it's stolen, you should get rid of it. And so he comes, this is a Wednesday night, he comes to church Sunday, and he's like, I got rid of it all. Like, he deleted it all, he quit, like, it was a radical, Jesus Christ radically transformed his life, so at the point that a throwaway comment convicted him of sin, and he changed his life so that he would be in in agreement with what God had told him to do. He said, I'm going to follow that closely. Paul had that sort of conversion experience. He was something, and then he was something totally different, but his personality type did not change. Who he, like the, the type of person he was, didn't change. You know, he was aggressively seeking for the destruction of Christianity. Then he meets Jesus Christ, and he's aggressively seeking for the proclamation of Christianity. He is just as zealous. He just has a different cause to be zealous for. Your personality type doesn't have to change for you to be inside of the will of God. Paul was a wicked person. 
right? That our first time we meet him, he's standing there at the stoning of Stephen, and people are laying their coats out there so they can get a better throw with their rock, right? Which is a weird concept, by the way, that like, man, this like Jesus robe is too constricting for me to murder this guy with the rock. Let me take my robe off. You're cool to keep this for me, right? While I go kill this guy. And it says, and Saul was giving approval to what was going on there, right? He was, he was keeping the coats so they could kill this first deacon that we had. And so they murder Stephen and Saul is giving approval of that. He was a wicked person. And God changed all of that, changed his, his heart, his passions, the things that drove and motivated him were renovated by the gospel of Jesus Christ. But who he was, his personality did not change. I'm not a big fan of, of, of like saying like you have to be these letters and you have to fit inside of this because none of them are that scientific, right? Myers-Briggs, the 16 different personality types, like I could take the test tomorrow and be something different than I was today, right? Based on my mood, whenever I take the test. So I don't think that they're necessarily scientific, but you know the things that kind of make you, you. God doesn't want to change that about you. He doesn't want you to be like some idealized self of someone else. He just wants you to be who you are and to use your personality for the glory of God. Paul used his personality for the glory of God. And thank God he did. He started churches all across the, uh, right, the ancient Near East and Asia Minor, all across the, the, the Greek Empire and all of that region there was, was evangelized because Paul was zealous for what he cared about. Right, right. So own that thing and let God use your personality for his glory. This church, First Baptist Church Rockdale, the church that I preach at, the church that, that, that most of you attend on a regular basis needs people of every different strength and skill of personality type, right? We need people who can stand at the front door when someone walks in and make them feel like they've come to the place that, they, that they're supposed to be, right? Some of you should not be that person. I like you. You shouldn't be that person. You're terrible at it. You make bad first impressions, okay? It's okay. It's okay. I, I won't name names real quick. I, there was someone who visited our church one Sunday. I took him out to lunch that day. Danielle wasn't, uh, she must have been, so I don't know where she was. So it was just me. And so I took this couple out to lunch. And I, and I, Danielle calls us, how was church? And I said, man, I dominated it. No, I didn't say that. But the church was good. And I said, we had a family visit. And so I took him out to lunch. And she's like, well, well tell me about them. And, and this is what I said to her. I said, oh, they're weird. Oh, they're weird. They became very, very integral in our church. This, this, this family became a, a part of our church family. They're not here right now, so I can talk about them, right? But, but they became an integral part of our church. They, they, they mattered. They were important. They were a part of what we were doing, right? And then they, 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 they were special. And then we used that weirdness, right, for, 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 for God's purposes. I would never put either of them at the front door. They're weird. They made a bad first impression, it's like, they're weird. I don't know about these people. Right? And I had to get over, I'm, it was Johnny, yeah. No, <laughs> no. Right? I had to get over that because, like, I, I don't, right? Like, but because they're different. But everyone's different. It's weird how different people find each other, by the way. Have you ever noticed that? You get two weirdos and they somehow find each other in the world out there. It's weird. I don't know how that happens. You got some weird relatives, though, right? And then you look at their spouses, and you're like, how did you find another weirdo? All right, now, yeah, yeah. Some of you are like, man, he's talking about us, right? 
But God can use whatever your personality is, whatever your, your traits are. Like, like I think there's some, uh, the Enneagram, anyone ever familiar with the Enneagram? It's a young person thing now. Y'all familiar with it? No? Okay, good. Enneagram uh, is a personality test. There's like nine types. It's weird. Okay, stay away from it. I think it's based in occultic stuff anyway, so you should probably steer clear of it. Anyways, evangelical young people loved it. They ate it up like it was sugar uh, about two years ago. It was everything, everywhere. I'm a type six. I'm a type three. I'm a type eight. Oh, that's such a type nine thing to do. And I'm like, y'all are so dumb, right? But, but you have a personality. Own your personality. Use that for the glory of God because Paul used what he had for the glory of God. The church grew because Paul owned who he was. Now, Paul had looked around the room when his eyes got opened by Ananias and tried to figure out, now, how does everyone here act? How can I be like everyone in this room? He never would have accomplished the things that God had called him to do. And some of us, guys, we, we really struggle with this. We look at people and we say, well, that person's a thought leader or a, or a leader in the community or someone who's important. And I'm... <laughs> I'm sorry, right? Someone dropped the word thought leader on me the other day, and it just, it threw me for a loop, right? But, but you know, that person's important or a leader or whatever they are. And so, like, how can I be like them? Because they're the model for what we're supposed to be. And then you work really hard to try to mold yourself to look like that person or those people. God needs you to be you. He didn't make you to be like me. Praise God, right? We don't, if this church had another, this, disasters everywhere. Uncompassionate prophetic voices. Someone needs to come along beside someone and say, it's okay, he doesn't really hate you, right? Someone needs to do that. Be you. Now, you may need to to explore some of that. Those personality inventories, I don't necessarily endorse them. But again, it's a way to get to know a little bit more about who you are. I took a, a Strengths Finder test in my last church. Strengths Finders is a, I don't know, I don't even remember who wrote the book. Right, but it goes out and it kind of analyzes like 30 or something different areas of strength. It was helpful for me. So it's like, hey, Matt, here's one of like two areas that you're really good at. And I looked at it, I was like, hey, those are two areas I'm really good at. And then I'm like, here's 30 other areas you're not very good at, Matt. And I'm like, yeah, that's about right. It's helpful. Learn who you are. And own that. Don't try to be someone else. Don't try to act like other people. God made you here. Paul owned who he was. He was zealous. He was courageous. He went out. He was courageous at killing people, arresting them, and bringing them in to, to, for punishment. And then once he found Jesus, he was courageous at making Jesus known. Be who you are. God needs you to be that. This church needs you to be that. Please be that. Let me pray.